Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. We got a great episode in store for you guys today on Friday. As we have the Thursday night recap for all of you, of course, we're going to go over some of the injury updates from the games that we talked about in yesterday's show. If you want to go back and listen to that, all you have to do is download the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app on Android or WWSRN on iOS or your favorite streaming app, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to go. We are widely available to you guys. And you can go back, listen to those. We have those injury updates for you today. We have the fancy expectations for the late window of week 11 games here, talking about the late afternoon, talking about Sunday night, talking about Monday night. And we have a lot we have to go through because kicking off this morning, man, it was a news frenzy, especially when it comes to fantasy football relevant information. First, though, before we get into that, I do want to talk about the game last night. It wasn't quite the shootout that we were hoping for that thought was possible, but it wasn't a low-scoring game either. It was a pretty strong Thursday night game overall, I would say. The big mishap, of course, was Kyler Murray really banging up his shoulder early in that first quarter, and that really kind of threw off the entire Arizona offense throughout the entire game. They didn't look really as in sync as they have been, especially over the past month or so. 
And as a result of that, they wind up losing this game, and some guys suffered. DeAndre Hopkins was one of our top wide receivers going into this week. He only wound up with five catches for 51 yards and wasn't even the lead targeted on the day. Still eight targets, still very respectable, but Larry Fitzgerald had 10 targets. They just used him as a safety blanket. A lot of shorter throws with Kyler Murray's shoulder clearly bothering him. Being able to stretch the field, go down the field, which is something that was not in his repertoire after the first quarter of yesterday's game. So as a result of that, we saw Larry Fitzgerald be more uh, utilized in this game than he's really been all season long with 10 targets, 8 catches, 62 yards. While Christian Kirk only had 4 catches, 50 yards on 6 targets. The big storyline, of course, there has been that Christian Kirk has usurped Larry Fitzgerald as that second wide receiver. He's been the guy. He will continue to be the guy. This was purely out of circumstance. This was purely due to the injury. Luckily for the Arizona Cardinals, luckily for Kyler Murray and all of his fantasy owners, they have a little bit of a mini buy here where he'll be able to get right. He was able to finish the game. So if nothing else, I think at worst, this was probably a shoulder strain. I don't know, doctor, we'll keep you up to date with all those player news update notifications that we send your way when you follow us on Twitter at BellyUpMDFFShow. But at worst, I think this was a shoulder strain because he was able to finish the game and Looks like he'll be okay at the end of it. Just needs some time to get some rest. So I'm not too worried about the long-term effects for Kyler Murray or what that will affect the rest of the fantasy-relevant players on the Arizona Cardinals. The big thing was here was that Kenny and Drake had a decent game from a fantasy standpoint because he wound up scoring a touchdown, and and he was more involved in the passing game than really he's been all season long, which is what people have been clamoring for, especially as fantasy owners. Five targets, four catches, 31 yards. Just completely inefficient on the ground, though. This is something of note to take with us moving forward as we have teams going up against Seattle, where you're just licking your chops, whether you had a wide receiver, whether you had a running back, you just want to lick your chops in that game. And to some degree, you still will be able to, because most times playing against Seattle will mean the potential of a shootout where everyone will get their opportunities to be able to score. The difference is moving forward now is that Seattle might not be a team that you can just necessarily run on. They've been a little bit stingy over the past couple of weeks. You have Carlos Dunlap now that you've been able to add in along with Jamal Adams. That is kind of helping solidify along with Damian Harris too. Let's not forget Snacks Harrison up the middle now they have coming off the practice squad. Those combination of those three players are setting up in a way where it's not necessarily going to be super easy to now run on Seattle, especially up the middle. Now, if you get teams typically like the Arizona Cardinals, although they didn't do it yesterday, but you have teams like the Cardinals, like the 49ers, that scheme where they try to attack the edges, you can still attack Seattle in that respect. But I don't believe this is a team that you're going to be easily able to run up the middle on, at least not consistently anyway. I think we saw a bit of that last night. We've seen a bit of that the past couple of weeks. Now, secondary-wise, I think if Kyler Murray didn't hurt his shoulder in this one, I think there's no doubt about it that the wide receivers on the perimeter would have been able to get more involved, would have been would have had much better games in this one. I still think you're going to be able to attack Seattle you know, however you want to when it comes to throwing the football, but they might be a little bit stingy against the running back. Something to just kind of keep in mind when you have players going up against Seattle moving forward. And this one, Kenyon Drake, only 2.6 yards to carry. Like I said, the good news if you're a Drake owner is that, yet again, he was able to get through another game where he was unscathed, wasn't injured, didn't re-injure himself in any kind of way, and he finally got involved in the passing game. Now, Chase Edmonds was still involved. Four catches, 36 yards. He actually walks away with a receiving touchdown on four targets. But the fact that Kenyon Drake was finally involved in the pass game, that's what you need to have happen moving forward to get his value back up to where it wants to be, or at least his floor value, which should be an RB2 every single week, back up to what it wants to be. However, kind of like Larry Fitzgerald here, where it was kind of due to circumstances that he was the most targeted wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals inexplicably, 
it very similar could be why Kenyon Drake was as involved as he was in the past game as well, with Kyler Murray's shoulder being banged up, kind of being forced to throw the ball a little bit shorter, kind of being forced to check it down a bit more. So it remains to be seen. This is not going to be enough for me to say, hey, Kenyon Drake's turned a corner, and now we can expect him to actually be involved in the target capacity the way he should be. Mm, it's not necessarily going to be there, but I will say this. It's something to watch in case they actually decide to move forward with that because Drake physically continues to look good. As far as the Seattle side comes, Carlos Hyde was a great play. Like we we said, like look, if Car- if Chris Carson does not play, we expect Carlos Hyde to be the guy. I had Carlos Hyde as a low end RB two, high end RB three going into the game. He definitely performed for you. Fourteen carries, seventy nine yards, gets a touchdown on the ground, was able to tackle on a couple of catches here for sixteen yards as well. But just had a very overall solid game. So if you plugged and played Carlos Hyde, you got even more, I think, than you were bargaining for in this matchup. And he physically, he looked good. And this is finally the first game all year that Carlos Hyde's been able to show you this is what he can do if Chris Carson's not out there. He can be a fill-in. He can be the guy to be an RB2. And finally, for once, he was able to play in a game where Carson was not able to instead of them both being hurt and inactive at the same time. Now, Pete Carroll did come out pretty much last night after the game and said he expects Chris Carson to be able to come back next week. I think the idea was that had this not been a Thursday game this week, Chris Carson might have been able to come back this week because of the Thursday game, they didn't want to push him too much. He wasn't quite there yet. I, I, I would be, look, anytime Pete Carroll says something, I always take it with a grain of salt, especially when it comes to his players and his injuries. But this is a situation where I do buy into that idea because he had been getting back in practice in a limited capacity. He has been progressing. He has been getting closer. We know this from the inside reports coming from the beat writers and everybody else covering the team. So when he says that he expects now Chris Carson to be back next week, I actually do buy into that is a pretty fairly strong possibility that that will be the case now of course you know we'll be watching that very closely we'll keep you up to date throughout the week again make sure you're following us at belly up mdff show on twitter with those player news update notifications that will make sure you know exactly what's going on all throughout the week but good news chris carson feel pretty good about him possibly being able to come back as far as wide receivers go in this game tyler lockett even though he had a what was the, what was the uh, quote a a small a minor a a bit that was what it was a bit of a knee sprain coming out of Pete Carroll going into this week. Hey, he winds up with nine receptions, sixty-seven yards, a touchdown on nine targets. It wasn't quite the fifteen catch, two hundred yard, three touchdown performance that we had out of him the first time they played Arizona, but he was still the lead receiver again against the Cardinals. Once again, Russell Wilson did not really want to push the issue too much to DK Metcalf. Now, Metcalf was able to come away with a touchdown and 46 yards, so it wasn't quite the the poor performance that he had the first time around against the Arizona Cardinals, and that touchdown came against Patrick Peterson. He just beat him deep all the way through. But the Cardinals were were smart in a way because they were actually it wasn't just that it was Patrick Peterson covering DK Metcalf they were cheating the safety to DK Metcalf's side the entire time they were taking away that big play it was a little bit more of a double a little bit more of a cloud coverage situation frankly as we get into the postseason we're going to start to see teams maybe game plan a bit more for their opponents than they normally do in the beginning of the year when they're more consumed with the idea of trying to figure out you know what's the identity of my team not so much 
how are we best prepared for the team that we're playing the following week. We're going to see we're going to see teams start to do that a little bit more as we get into the playoff races here. I do worry a little bit, not that you're I'm not going to play DK Metcalf or not that I'm not going to expect him to not continue to be a wide receiver one, so don't get me twisted. But I do worry about him to some degree getting more of these types of coverages, more of these types of cloud coverages. Now he's so great that it doesn't matter. Again, like I said, I will expect him to be a wide receiver one every single week. But just something that I want to kind of make sure MD Nation you're out there keeping your eyes on and that could affect maybe somewhere else in your lineup. Maybe you take a guy with a higher floor not necessarily as many home run chances in the case that DK Metcalf is more of a home run threat for you and not necessarily operating on the same floor that he once was. So kind of just keeping that in mind for your roster construction. If that continues to be the case, we have to see it happen a little bit more so. And most teams don't have a top corner like a Patrick Peterson or like a Jalen Ramsey last week to even be able to match up on DK Metcalf at least to some some capacity uh, going into the game to begin with. So again, like I said, I'm not worried about DK Metcalf, just something I'm going to be kind of keeping my eyes on as we move forward, as teams will start to adjust their game plans for their opponents more and more as we get closer to the playoffs. Tyler Lockett, like I said himself, I gave his stat line, but for him, physically, he looked okay. I think he'll be perfectly fine coming out of this little mini buy. I think it's exactly what he needs. He'll get a little extra rest. He continues to be a guy who's been sort of a, a boomer bust product this year a high-end one at that no doubt and again another guy that you're definitely going to have in your starting lineups at all times but I think these type of games these like 67 touchdown games where he's kind of involved throughout the game all four quarters these are more of the type of games you kind of want to see out of Tyler Lockett yes he has that big play capability yes he has those feast games but this year he's also been having those famine games and that's really not what Tyler Lockett's MO is supposed to be he was one of the most consistent fantasy wide receivers last year that's more what you're looking for out of him so games like this where he's involved throughout all four quarters is more what you kind of want to see moving forward we'll see what happens but obviously these two you're playing them no matter what when Carson comes back you have a great RB2 there and Russell Wilson who we haven't talked about really yet came through for you because he tacked on 42 yards rushing to his stat line in this game actually was looking to run more so than I've really seen him do most of the season and over the past couple of weeks it started to look like he's running more and more I think it's really a direct effect from the turnovers that he's had over the past month, really. I think he's looking to run a little bit more and not necessarily take as many risks down the field. I think we're going to see that from a fantasy standpoint. You'll take it either way. You'll take him shelling it down the field constantly to DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, or you'll take him rushing the yards. Either way, it means good things for you from a fantasy perspective. And while this wasn't one of his, I don't know, 300-yard, three-touchdown performances, you still get two passing touchdowns. You still get a decent day. And it was a game that wasn't quite the game script that we were hoping for in a high-scoring game, but it wasn't a low-scoring game either by any stretch of the means. Russell Wilson will continue to be a top-five quarterback. He might not finish a top-five quarterback this week. Kyler Murray might not finish as a top-five quarterback this week because they had lower performances than you normally expect in this kind of a matchup. But... These are guys that you're not going to be worried about moving forward either. So, And for the most part, other than Greg Olson, it sounds like he is going to probably be done for the rest of the season. There weren't too many fantasy football injuries, not too many big names in this one. Uh, and that's kind of what you're looking for at a Thursday night game. There's nothing major is going to set your team back for weeks to come. So that wraps up for the recap of the Thursday night game, what we saw in that one, what we can expect moving forward, some things to look out for. Now that we got done with that, though, I want to move into the injury updates from the games that we talked about yesterday. Uh, And and some of the news that we didn't even talk about yesterday that was just breaking out this morning before we came on to the show, because it's a lot of big news coming out. First and foremost, let me go into it. Our big uh, Today in COVID for the NFL segment is 
you know, three players for the Giants test positive. Apparently, Dante Pettis, who they just acquired from the 49ers off their practice squad, was one of them. I didn't get the names of the two other players. Now, obviously, that in and of itself is not fantasy relevant, but now what we're waiting to hear about is who exactly is a high-risk contact for the Giants heading into this game. And at this point, whoever gets pinned as a high-risk contact for the game is not going to play in Week 11. So that's something we're going to have to keep our eyes on. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at BellyUpMDFFShow. We'll keep you up to date on that. But whoever gets pinned at this point is not going to be able to play in Week 11. So something just to stay aware of. This next one, this player himself is not a fantasy-relevant player, but it's very fantasy-relevant as far as what you can expect out of Philadelphia Eagles offense, and that's Miles Garrett. He is going to be out this game also because of COVID. Now, he, he is more, a little more interesting because he was sick all week long. They never said whether it was COVID-related or not. Now he's going on the COVID reserve list. We're left to wonder, are you just a high-risk contact or did you get COVID? And from what it sounds like, if he does have COVID because he was already exhibiting illness, he may not be asymptomatic, which means in his situation, it could take a little bit longer for him to come back if that's the case. I'm just theorizing here. I'm just you know trying to think it through. Logically speaking, as, what, as far as what we're speaking, I don't have any inside information as far as you know, that goes other than we know he was sick earlier in the week and now he's on the COVID list. So it remains to be seen. We'll probably find out again sometime later on today, I would believe, whether or not Miles Garrett actually has COVID and that's what he is sick from. So that's something to watch because that could not come out not just for this week, but that could not come out for next week as well. And the Cleveland Browns defense... With the way they've been playing, they've been fantasy relevant. They have a nice playoff schedule. They've been a defense that a lot of people are targeting to try to stash and play for their championship run, especially because they play the Giants and the Jets week 15 and week 16 of this year. You know, we're going to have to see what happens. This was going to be a decent matchup for them on paper with the way Carson Wentz is beginning sacked and turning over the ball lately, too. You take Miles Garrett out of the mix, this is just not the same defense. And that'll open up lanes for Miles Sanders to have a better game than we were necessarily expecting because Cleveland's been pretty decent against the run when they've been able to move Miles Garrett all around the defensive front. So this affects a lot of things, a lot of especially for the Eagles, especially for Carson Wentz, especially for Miles Sanders' fantasy owners, where he can maybe give you a little bit of a higher floor, a little bit of a higher ceiling now that they're not going to have Miles Garrett and also have to make you think twice if you've been a fantasy owner who was looking to pick up Cleveland's defense and play them this week. So something to kind of just keep in mind there. So player not himself fantasy relevant, but big fantasy implications with Miles Garrett being out, and maybe it might not be just this week either. Now we get into the games that we talked about yesterday. We talked about Calvin Ridley and the Atlanta game. It looks like he's going to be a game-time decision. The reports coming out for him are, you know, he is not progressing the way that they or hoping for, but progressing enough still where he's able to continue to practice in a limited capacity. He's going to be able to at least make it a game time decision, at least go into preseason or pregame warmups on Sunday, and they'll make a determining factor then. Now, this game is the one o'clock game, so we'll know pretty early on. You'll be able to adjust your ro- rosters. As of right now, I would have to say that I'm leaning towards Calvin really being able to make it a go. This is a big divisional game. Believe it or not, because of that extra wild card, technically speaking, if Atlanta was to go on a run here, they may still be kind of in it, which is mind-boggling, but it's true. It's just the fact of having that extra wild card this season. So it's going to be a big division game. If Calvin really can at all go, I think they will lean towards him going. And if he plays, 
I'm playing him because I know a lot of fantasy owners out there are going to be like, well, is he going to be limited? Is he just going to be a decoy? Look, because you have Julio Jones and he'll be taking the attention of a Marshawn Lattimore, as long as Calvin Ridley's out there, we know that, one, he actually has a better chance to score a touchdown than Julio Jones does because that curse continues again for another season. And Calvin Ridley is somebody you can kind of lean on. He's always going to have sure hands. He's always going to be a safety blanket there for Matt Ryan. I think it's a game in which Matt Ryan probably goes for over 300 yards in this game, and at least it's lining up that way to be the case. I think you can go ahead and play Calvin Ridley with confidence if he's, in fact, out there and active, which is where I'm leaning towards uh, him winding up being able to go. Here's the big story of the day, right? Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is going to be the starting quarterback from what I'm understanding from the sources that I've talked to is that he got all of the first-team reps. It wasn't a split. It wasn't, hey, Taysom Hill gets some first-team reps. James Winston gets some first-team reps, which could possibly lead you to believe that maybe Sean Payton's planning on a two-quarterback approach because that was something that was talking talked about in the beginning of the week. No, Taysom Hill received all of the first-team reps, meaning they are fully planning on Taysom Hill being the quarterback, not mixing in Jameis Winston, not doing a two-quarterback approach, not doing a two-offensive approach to try to be a difficult team to game plan for this week. They are fully committed to Taysom Hill being the starting quarterback. Is it surprising after watching Jason uh, Jameis Winston be the one who took over last week, not Taysom Hill? Yeah, it's a little bit surprising. But it looks like that's the way it's going to be shaping up. And, of course, if you've heard that news, which at this point most of you out there who would be watching this show in MD Nation probably have, then you would also take into consideration that if you are playing in ESPN leagues, Taysom Hill does have eligibility at the tight end position. If you're in one quarterback lead, this is one of your rare opportunities to be able to actually play as if it's a super flex and play Taysom Hill at your tight end spot. And, honestly, we have to figure out uh, this show – we we're we're an independent show, meaning that we don't, we're not affiliated with ESPN or Yahoo or you know Fantasy Pros or NFL or CBS or, or any of those major platforms that I like to take the numbers for on an average when we do the waiver wire report. And the reason I take the average numbers for those players that are available for the waiver wire report from all those different platforms is so that we are all encompassing from the different places that you most likely play your fantasy leagues, including Sleeper. So as a result of that, I am not going to sit here and rank Taysom Hill as a tight end in my rankings on bellyfantasysports.com. You should go ahead and check them out. They'll be updated throughout the weekend. We have some more updates we're going to have to make now with some of the injury news coming out today. So I'm going to be ranking Taysom Hill as a quarterback. I had Jameis Winston inside the top 10. I'll have to see exactly where we have Taysom Hill because we're going to have to knock down what his passing numbers are going to be. But because of his rushing stats, because of his rushing ability, I should say, uh, he's going to be a guy who's going to hover around that top 12 quarterback spot. He's going to be a guy who I think legitimately could be a streamer because he's going to give you a pretty good floor because we know if there's one thing that we do know for certain about Taysom Hill, we know that he's going to run the ball, that he's going to be physical, and he has a very good chance of running one in for a touchdown in this game. What the offense is going to look like, I think, is anybody's guess. So we're probably going to knock down Michael Thomas a little bit. I'm probably going to keep Alvin Kamara where he is. Now, Kamara is somebody we're going to talk about in a second because he propped up on the injury report yesterday, and we're still kind of waiting on today's uh, practice report to co- or practice report to come out to see exactly where he's at. I'll talk about him in a second. But I wouldn't knock down Kamara in this instance as long as he's active and good to go. Michael Thomas, though, yeah, I don't know what to expect out of the Saints offense. Sean Payton could go a number of different ways. He could try to go traditional and try to go with Taysom Hill as as a primary thrower. We could see Taysom Hill throw the ball 30 times in this game. Or he could do 
what he does with Taysom Hill most of the time and run an offense that's you know effectively a a modern day wing T type of offense where Taysom Hill is running a bunch of run options and some throws off of that. I lean towards it's going to be somewhere in the middle because if Taysom Hill is really going to be your starting quarterback and if he's really going to take this opportunity to see if he can be the future, which essentially is what you kind of paid him to do with the contract extension you gave him in the offseason, I have to believe that you're going to look to run a more traditional type of offense, a more traditional type of Saints offense, and not just have him run pretty much a glorified wildcat throughout the game and allow Taysom Hill to take you know 20-plus hits as if he's a running back. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer playing the quarterback position so I think it's going to be somewhere in between I think we're going to see a mixture of a kind of a wildcat offense with the starting quarterback actually as the running back I think we're going to see some of that because that's one of his best skill sets so he's not going to take that away but I do think this is going to be our first time to really see Taysom Hill attempt to be a traditional pocket passing quarterback at points during this game as well and how that's going to go I kind of remains to be seen and Taysom Hill throwing the football has been shaky at best over the past couple of years. so But this is also the first time we're going to see him in, in an opportunity where he gets to be the starting quarterback and gets to play that role, too. So we're going to have our eyes on that and see, you know, testing him out in the eye test, seeing if this is really a future thing that we can gra- grapple on with Taysom Hill being a quarterback or not, and seeing what type of, more importantly, I think for fantasy football owners, seeing what kind of offense are the Saints going to be now with Taysom Hill at the helm. So definitely a lot of things to look for, but overall, from a fantasy value standpoint, just judging Taysom Hill off of being a quarterback, not look because ESPN's the only one that has him as tight end eligible. They're the only ones who do. So we're going to be judging him based off as a quarterback. I do believe that he can be somewhere around that top 12. When I go through my rankings, I'll have that updated for you guys by Sunday morning. But I think he can be somewhere around that top 12 and give you a high floor because we know he is going to run the football. So that would be my take for now on what I believe Taysom Hill's value is. Like I said, Michael Thomas, I'd probably knock him down to wide receiver two. I'll still start him. He'll still probably be the number one target. But that ceiling that he may have had with Jameis Winston against the Atlanta Falcons, I don't believe it's the same ceiling there with Taysom Hill. I don't, I don't think you can't go into this game expecting that. Does it work out that way? It could. It very well could. But I don't think you can go into this game expecting that. Same thing with Jared Cook. I mean, Jared Cook was the big one for me that I thought with Jameis Winston would actually get the biggest boost out of all of the pass catchers out there because you actually have a quarterback who, one, does like to target the tight end, but two, has the arm strength to actually throw it to Jared Cook down the field and allow him to stretch the seam, allow him to make big plays, which is really what he's best at besides being a red zone target. 
Now with Taysom Hill, I don't know that's going to be a factor. So I think Jared Cook kind of is going to is another guy who's going to take a hit, and he's going to fall back down into that same territory that frankly he's been in, which is between that you know tight end twelve and that tight end twenty four. And I don't, I would not really want to play Jared Cook if I could at all help it because I don't believe the ceiling will be there. Will he be a threat for the red zone? Yeah, but that's no different than he is any other week, even when Drew Brees was quarterback. I don't think this changes that. So if anything, I think it takes away a little bit of the ceiling that I thought Jared Cook might be able to have uh, if Jameis Winston was the quarterback. So this does affect him negatively as well. Now, like I said, the one player who I would not move down, who I don't think this affects too much either way, is Alvin Kamara. Now, the big problem now, right now with Alvin Kamara is he did not practice on Thursday after being limited on Wednesday. We still don't have a lot of clarification as to exactly why. We know it's a foot issue. That we know. But as far as what the severity is or whether or not he had a setback and they just or they just decided to give him a veteran day on a Thursday rather than a Wednesday, we've seen teams do that more and more. Uh, it, that remains to be seen and will be more clarified after today's practice report comes out. So hopefully, while we're doing this show, we'll get the Saints practice report and we'll be able to actually give you some breaking news and get you uh, you know, a determination before the show is even over about whether or not Alvin Kamara, is, we really expect him to play or we really expect him to miss. What I will say, though, is make sure you're just following us on Twitter in case it doesn't break through the show. We'll keep you up to date through that throughout the weekend as well. So no, no worries there as long as you're following at BellyUpMDFFShow. Next guy, Joe Mixon, did not practice again Thursday. Not surprised. I already talked about him yesterday. He, as long as he continues not to practice, you expect him to not to play. He didn't practice Wednesday, and I already kind of went into the idea that Joe Giovanni Bernard is going to be the starting running back again this week. That'll get updated in my rankings uh, at least by Saturday night, Sunday morning at some point. So keep your eyes on that at bellyupfantasysports.com. That'll get updated. Giovanni Bernard will be the starter and will be, once again, an RB2 consideration. I expect him to be a little bit more involved in the passing game and have a little bit more of a floor that you would want him to have against Washington than what he was able to do against the Pittsburgh Steelers a week ago. So I'm not too worried about it there. This one that we have to talk about was a big surprise. It wasn't. I was talking about him as a possible top 10 running back this week, given the matchup, given that he's finally getting the start, given that he was looking like he was going to be the bell cow workload now. And all of a sudden, DeAndre Swift walks away from practice with a concussion out of nowhere. So uh, clearly he must have sustained the injury in practice, we would imagine, because he was completely fine on Wednesday. So now all of a sudden, DeAndre Swift has a concussion. Because he gets added to the concussion list on Thursday, I would say it's almost impossible that he would be able to clear the protocols and be able to play Sunday at this point. So Adrian Peterson, again, another person with to update the rankings, but he's somebody who comes very interesting. This is a great matchup against the Carolina Panthers. And with Matthew Stafford's hand being a little bit banged up, they will probably try to lean on the run game to some degree, uh, especially a physical run game, especially trying to control the clock, control the ball, and take some pressure off of Matt Stafford. There's a decent chance here that Adrian Peterson's going to see quite a bit of work. Now, Carrion Johnson will be involved to some degree, probably a little bit more in the passing game, obviously, with Adrian Peterson. But there's a real chance here that Adrian Peterson's staring down the barrel at 20 carries against a good matchup in the Carolina Panthers, especially if that game's able to remain close. And because Teddy Bridgewater's not going to be 100%, I think there's a good chance this game will remain close. I don't think Carolina just runs away with this ball game. So Adrian Peterson's somebody I think you can fire up as an RB2. Now, when you're talking about half-point, full-point PPR leagues, you're going to need him to score a touchdown. You're going to need him to rush for at least 80 yards because there is going to be a lower floor there because you're not going to expect Adrian Peterson to get too involved in the passing game. But what I will say to that is that he has been a little bit more involved than he has on previous teams in recent years. And 
a guy who might get three to four targets, we know has a great shot at 20 carries in this game, becomes worth it as an RB2 no matter what scoring platform that you're on. So Adrian Peterson, if he's available in your league, which he probably isn't quite a bit of him because this news just happened uh, yesterday, uh, go ahead and pick him up, and you can play him as a solid flex play, as a solid RB2 play for you this week. We do not expect DeAndre Swift to be able to go, and it's really a shame because I was really hoping this could be Swift's big breakout game against the Carolina Panthers, especially from a fantasy standpoint, but it's not going to happen, and it's just very unfortunate, and we're going to have to keep our eyes on this because this has happened so late in the week. His Week 12 status, remember, Week 12 is only a week away. Thanksgiving's only a week away for the Lions. They're the, they're the first game on Thanksgiving. They play at 1230. So he has what would be a normal week to try to get through the protocols. Week 12 is going to be in question whether DeAndre Swift's going to be able to play on Thanksgiving now, too. So something we're going to have to keep our eyes on moving forward. They play Houston next week for that Thanksgiving game. Once again, another reason to pick up Adrian Peterson because if Swift can't go, that might be another good game out of Adrian Peterson there as an RB2 for that one. So top, top pickup if he's available in your waiver leagues. Next injury on the lines that we want to talk about is Kenny Galladay. There was conflicting reports early in the afternoon. First first report we had was that Galladay was limited in practice. It came out later on in the official team report that he did not practice on Thursday after being officially listed as limited on Wednesday. Now, there was no indication that there was definitely a setback. Uh, but it's not a great sign for a guy that people were starting to get some hope that maybe he could play on Sunday after actually being able to practice in limited capacity on Wednesday. So again, follow us on Twitter. You're going to have to stay up to date on this one. We'll wait for that practice report to come out today. Once again, it's another practice report that I'm a little bit hopeful will come out during this show. But we'll have to keep our eyes on exactly what he does today as far as what hope does he have to play on Sunday Again, because they play Thanksgiving Day, because it's going to be a short week, I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to play it safe, have Kenny Galladay sit out, and then have him be able to play for that Thanksgiving game, especially if you're staring on the barrel, possibly not having DeAndre Swift for that week as well. I think they're going to really want Kenny Galladay back uh, for that game against Houston. So something to kind of keep in mind that I could kind of see it going that way, meaning if I had to guess at this point, I would actually lean more towards Galladay not being available this week and being more available in Week 12 than him actually playing the Sunday. But again, today's practice report should tell us more as far as that goes. If he does play, I wouldn't expect him to be that limited. I would fire him up as a wide receiver, too. I would not hold back Kenny Galladay in this matchup against the Carolina Panthers uh, if he's out there and playing. I wouldn't be afraid to play him in my lineup as a wide receiver, too. Stafford, limited participant in practice. It keeps trending towards the direction that it was all week that we expect him to go. Uh, so, you know, Marvin Jones, if Kenny Galladay doesn't play, I think he's a wide receiver three, a high-end wide receiver three. As long as Stafford's able to play, Galladay's not playing. All those things kind of line up. That That's kind of the way that this thing is trending at the moment, at least. Uh, Marvin Jones would be a wide receiver three with Stafford being able to go. Stafford himself, he hasn't really been super fantasy streamable anyway this year. And while against Carolina team, their defense has been decent, I think this is definitely a defense you can still put up points on, you can still score on, you can still throw on. However, with him having that thumb issue, with him possibly not having Kenny Galladay, with him most likely not having DeAndre Swift, I would kind of stay away from the idea that Matthew Stafford could be streamable uh, in this matchup if you're if that's something you were contemplating in the first place. So I would kind of stay away from him from that standpoint. The other quarterback in the same game that we had to talk about, Teddy Bridgewater, he practiced in limited capacity again on Thursday, the expectation is he will play on Sunday. 
I wouldn't expect him to be running around because this is a guy who's all of a sudden made himself a rushing touchdown threat, especially when you get towards a goal line. I wouldn't expect that in this game. I wouldn't expect him to try to be looking to run around too much this game. I would expect shorter throws, getting the ball out quick. It's still a good matchup against Detroit. So as far as Teddy Bridgewater's streamability himself, I think he's somebody who's still hovering around that top 14 quarterback area. I have him ranked at 11 this week. I think he's somebody that you can you can stream against the Detroit Lions because if he is getting the ball out quick, then you're getting Robbie Anderson one-on-ones, you're getting DJ Moore one-on-ones, you're getting Curtis Samuel one-on-ones, and Mike Davis, who I do expect to have a decent game in this one. Everyone has an opportunity to be able to torch this Detroit Lions defense with the ball in their hands. So I think Bridgewater still has a safe floor if you're looking for a streamable quarterback this week, even with the knee injury. I just wouldn't expect anything uh, from the rushing side of things when it comes to him right now. I don't think he's going to push himself in that matter. The last injury update that I want to give you guys that were from the games yesterday that we talked about. Remember, you can go back and listen to that on your favorite streaming app, wherever you like to go. Belly Up MD's Fantasy Football Show, widely available to you. And that is Mark Ingram did not practice on Thursday. It was an undisclosed reason. He did practice in full on Wednesday. Again, this is lining up to be that thing we talked about with A.J. Brown, who, you know, he didn't practice yesterday, but we all know that Thursday is the maintenance day rather than Wednesday for the Tennessee Titans. I do wonder if the Ravens are doing something similar here with Mark Ingram, where they're just giving him the day off on Thursday rather than giving him the day off on Wednesday. We'll know more in today's practice report, but from what I understand, I didn't hear anything about him having a setback or anything to that nature. So my expectation as of right now is that Mark Ingram's going to play and that this was more of a Veterans Day rest than it was anything about him having an injury during practice on Wednesday and not being able to go on Thursday. But we will know more later on today. Again, make sure you're following us on Twitter. So that wraps up all the injury updates from the games we talked about yesterday and what we expect out of these guys fantasy-wise Now what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back on the other side, and we're going to start diving into those late window matchups for you guys and what our fantasy expectations to injury updates are there. And, of course, we have a mailbag segment for you at the end. So everybody stay tuned right after this. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Breaking news. That's right. Coming out of the break, we have breaking news for you. It looks like we got the practice report update that we were looking for out of the Detroit Lions. No DeAndre Swift, not, nothing crazy there. But Kenny Galladay did not practice again today, so it doesn't look like Galladay is turning in the direction of being able to play this week either. Like I said, I'm going to look for him to play next week in the Thanksgiving game. But that coming in right as we were on break, that information. And just to add to that, because we did talk about him a little bit, although we weren't surprised by this either, Joe Mixon, once again, did not practice today. We do not expect to have him on Sunday. So you are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. Also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm your host, Dan Mater. And we just went through a crazy amount of news that broke this morning for fantasy football purposes. It a, it's a busy Friday. Uh, We went through the Thursday night recap, the injury updates from the games that we previewed in yesterday's show that you can go back and listen on your favorite streaming app. Now, we can finally get into the late window of games for Week 11 here, which is more what this show is supposed to be about, but we're keeping you up to date and getting you from every fantasy direction we possibly can because I want everybody at MD Nation to be right there for that championship run, and we are on the cusp of just three games away from the most of the playoffs out there from starting. So the first game up that we want to talk about in the late window is the Dolphins and the Denver Broncos in this matchup. Tua Tagovailoa 
comes in a QB 16 for me. He's somebody who's on the cusp of that streaming territory. While from a fantasy perspective, it wasn't anything super flashy last week, I thought he played a great game. I thought he looks great. He was able to throw his balls on a rope very accurately. He looks very mobile, which I think was the big question for a lot of people as far as where is his hip at, where what is he going to be able to do from a mobility standpoint. I think he's just on the cusp of breaking out and being a fantasy star if he starts to use his legs a little bit more. I think the only concern I have right now is, is he going to be able to start getting, you know, Devontae Parker more involved throughout the game? Now, while Parker was still the lead target guy last week, when he had seven targets, I believe it was, and he was still the lead guy, technically speaking, Overall, because the defense has been playing so well for the Dolphins, because they've been able to find a running game now with Salvin Ahmed, I think I'm saying that right. I hope I am. I, I've always I was right there with a lot of other people saying Ahmed, and apparently that's not how he's been. Ahmed, a little emphasis on the ah, and he's been able to run really well. Matt Breida comes back this week. Tua just hasn't been in positions where he's had to do a lot. I don't know if he's going to be in a position where he really has to do a lot again this week against Denver. On There's a wide range of outcomes here because against Denver, the best way to really be able to move the ball is to throw the perimeter wide receivers. But at the same token, because Drew Locke, who we'll talk about in a second, we're not really sure if he's actually going to be able to play on Sunday. I don't know offensively what the Denver Broncos are really going to be able to do to apply pressure on the Miami Dolphins for this week. So that kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with what we're looking at here, and that's why I say Tua comes in at QB 16. I think there should be other options for you out there as far as a ceiling play goes. I don't think this is the game that Tua Tagovailoa breaks out as a fantasy quarterback star, but I do think it's coming. So if you have the roster ability to do so, stashing Tua might not be a bad move as we get closer into your championship runs if you've been streaming quarterbacks because he does possess the dual threat that you're looking for, and I think we'll continue to play a little bit more confidently and try to get Devontae Parker a little bit more involved throughout the game outside of the red zone. But right now, as it stands, we have Parker at wide receiver 20 and a little bit touchdown dependent in this game because, again, two games in a row now with Tua where he is only getting 20, 30 yards. The difference in one of those games that he has a touchdown last week was pretty close to having a touchdown, just wasn't able to get that second foot in. Otherwise, he would have had the touchdown then too. But it looks to me like right now, because they're not slinging it around, because Tua is not forcing the issue the way Ryan Fitzpatrick forced the issue down the field, it's kind of leaving Parker in this territory where I still didn't believe he's a wide receiver too. He's still the lead target. There's still no Preston Williams. They still have to lean on him to some degree. But he's becoming a little bit more touchdown dependent to help make his fantasy value case. So that's why I'm a little bit nervous. But against the Denver Broncos, it's a good matchup for perimeter wide receivers. If that defense does get stingy, if they're able to take away the run game of the Miami Dolphins, they will have to throw the ball to move the ball. That will mean Devontae Parker getting a good amount of targets. I expect to see him between somewhere between 7 and 9, which brings him in as a wide receiver too. But there is a low floor possible if he does not score, unfortunately, just the way the Dolphins have been playing offense, the way they've been playing really as a team in general. And that leads into the running back situation for me with Matt Breida coming back. A lot of people are trying to figure out, you know, what what do we do? Is it going to still be Salvin Ahmed? Uh, as the starting running back, or is it going to be Matt Breida? Look, while I think Matt Breida is the most talented running back of the Miami Dolphins, and I felt that he was the entire season, even with Miles Gaskin back there, and it kind of made it clear that they don't really have much of an interest in Matt Breida being the lead guy. They like him having him as there as a compliment, as a lightning strike. But Salvin Ahmed, he looked good. He caught the ball really well. He was very efficient. He got north and south very quickly. 
I mean, really, his skill set is pretty similar to a Miles Gaskin. I would argue that Ahmed is possibly better than Miles Gaskin. And the reason for that is because he has the capability of being a little bit more physical, of having a little bit more power in his skill set than Miles Gaskin has the capability of doing. And honestly, on the field from what, and it's only been a couple games, I know this, but honestly, on the field from what I've seen, I don't see much of a difference in skill set as far as explosiveness goes, as far as being able to catch the ball, as far as being able to see the hole and get north and south. Very similar to Miles Gaskin, but he has the bigger body to be a little bit more powerful. And that's where I think he will continue to be the starting running back, even over Matt Breida with Matt Breida coming back. I don't think he's going to be the starter. I think you're going to see Matt Breida get maybe 8 to 10 touches in this game. He'll be mixed in. But Salvin Ahmed will be the guy. And I think he's somebody you can still fire up as an RB2. Because the Broncos won't be able to apply pressure, I believe, through their offense to the Miami Dolphins, I do think they'll wind down the clock and they'll control this game, especially in the second half is what I would expect to see. Because of that, I expect Salvin Ahmed to get at least 15 touches in this game. And because he's looked as good as he has, because he has the opportunity to score a touchdown, and because he'll be involved in the passing game, I think there's a real chance that he has a high floor this week. So I have him as an RB2 heading into this week. While I have Matt Breida... In my top 36, I have him as an RB3. I have him as a possible flex play because he is a guy who could be a big playmaker. And there is a range in which maybe he does get more than 8 to 10 touches. And we haven't seen these two running backs on the field together. We haven't seen what the rotation is when these are the ones that they have to go with without Miles Gaskin still. So we have to leave that possibility open that Matt Breed is at least maybe close to a 50-50 timeshare than what I'm expecting. But that's not expect. That's not what I'm expecting to see. I expect to see 8 to 10 touches out of Matt Breed and at best be a flex play who needs to hit a big play. That, that's what I'm going into this game expecting because Salvin Ahmed has looked very, very good. And I don't see why you move away from that, especially when he's a little bit more physical than a Matt Breida and will be able to control the game a little bit more. And I think it's more with Brian Flores and what Chad Gailey is looking for. And I'll throw this in on top of it. Chan Gailey, in his heart of hearts, is a guy who would rather go out there and have one featured running back. He doesn't mind having a second running back that he sprinkles in here and there, and that's why I think Matt Brady comes in with his 8-10 to 10 touches. But he likes having predominantly one guy and not being so much of a 50-50 committee. That's his history. So I think that's why you see kind of Salvador Ahmed control uh, this job and still be the starting running back heading into this game. Overall, would I hope that I can maybe have a better running back with a higher ceiling? So I think with with Salvin, you're just kind of looking for that floor. Yeah, probably, but I think he's a solid play still as an RB2 this week. Given what he can do in the passing game as well, which is something Matt Breida has not been involved in, I don't expect to see him involved again this week because he's not a very good pass protector, and they want to keep the rookie quarterback upright as a main priority. So that's another reason why I don't believe Matt Breida will be the starter or even on necessarily a 50-50 split heading into this ballgame. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Oh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. 
Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Mike Isicki, I'll mention him real quick. He's tight end 18 for me. Get kind of like the quarterback situation for me this week. There's a short range between... That tight end 10 and that tight end 18. And with Mike Isicki here, he's a guy that on paper, because there's no Preston Williams, should be the second featured target. The issue is that the not only you know is Mike Isicki looking like everything I thought he was coming into the season, which is a better athlete than an actual football player. And I, th- I think that's remained true throughout this year. They're also involving Adam Shaheen. They're involving their tight end three. Like They're involving like three tight ends right now. And that's also cutting down the targets that should be there in an offense that doesn't really feature the tight end position to begin with. And I talked about it heading into the offseason. Why I wasn't a, I wasn't one of these guys who was on the sleeper train of Mike Isecki heading into the season because the, the offense does not feature the tight end position. Now, like I said, though, with Preston Williams out, that does free up some targets that wouldn't necessarily be there. And when you look at it from an athletic standpoint, Devontae Parker, Mike Isecki are your big two guys that you should be leaning on. But because Shaquem Grant is playing pretty well lately and has that big play capability and will continue to be that second wide receiver, I wouldn't be surprised if Shaquem Grant becomes the reason that Mike Isicki never gets going. That Devontae Parker doesn't consistently get double-digit targets the way you thought he might with Preston Williams going out because he's able to do a little something. And I'll just throw this in there. I'm not playing Jakeem Grant in redraft leagues. I don't have him ranked inside my top 36 or anything like that. But because of his big play potential, because he has... I would say a floor of about five to six targets any given week now with no Preston Williams back as he's operating as the wide receiver two for this team. If you look on DraftKings, he is like $3,500 right now. He's a nice little plug and play in your flex or as your wide receiver three that you can go ahead and play and maybe get a home run shot off of. Again, the perimeter wide receivers are good matchups against the Denver Broncos. So just a little tidbit for you guys out there looking to play DFS. Make sure you're checking out the D- the DC's DFS Challenge show tomorrow night from 9.30 to 10.30. Me and my boy Chris Pinto will host that show every single Saturday night. We'll be here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network with that show. And we're going to be talking about some things like Jakeem Grant and help you guys get win some money that way. All right, so there was a lot to break down on the Dolphins' side of the ball. Now we can finally move in here to the Denver Broncos. Again, Drew Locke, I'm leaning towards him not being able to go. Even if he is, he's going to be severely limited. We'll find out more in that practice report today. But I'm not expecting him to be out there, which means who knows what to really expect out of this wide receiver group. I have Tim Patrick no better than the wide receiver four. I have Jerry Judy as wide receiver 33. So in that wide receiver three flex territory... Because if they do have to go to the backup quarterback in Pat Shermer's system, I think Judy at least will have a safe floor when it comes to opportunities. I think he's looking at at least seven targets, seven to nine targets in this game. I think the Broncos are going to have to try to make an effort to come back from behind. So I think there's a floor there for Jerry Judy, which is why he's able to make my top 36. But there's not much of a ceiling, especially if Drew Locke's not going to be playing. They're not going to be able to push the ball down the field. This offense is going to become very questionable at best. Now, if Locke doesn't play, most likely they will try to lean on the running game a little bit more as far as opportunities go. But Philip Lindsay 
and Melvin Gordon, this rotation as of late has been a headache on top of the fact that it really hasn't been very effective over the past couple of weeks, on top of the fact that Miami Dolphins' defense is legit. They've been playing very well, and they what they do is that they funnel at the running game. They've been blitzing like crazy, and while on paper they don't have this talent that you feel like would be super run-stopping and stuffing and everything like that, else, their aggressive philosophy and the disciplined defense that they're playing right now, especially when you get teams of lesser talents on offense like the Denver Broncos heading into this matchup, is overwhelming them and stopping the run. As a result of that, I have Melvin Gordon as a low-end RB2 this week, but I don't love his ceiling in this matchup, and I have Philip Lindsay outside my top 36. I don't have him as a guy that I want to necessarily play. I know that their split, for the most part, has been closer to 50-50 when it comes to the carries, but again, because Melvin Gordon is such a better pass protector, and I think they're going to be under duress because the Dolphins have been very aggressive blitzing the ball here, I don't know how much Philip Lindsay is going to be able to get on the field, especially come the second half when I expect the Broncos to have to come back from behind in this game. So just due to the expected game script, I don't see a lot of Philip Lindsay in here. I'm not plugging playing him as a flex guy. I will consider Melvin Gordon with a decent floor in this game as a low-end RB2, but I'm not expecting much of a ceiling there either. So kind of just take that into consideration when you move into this game. Now for our next late afternoon game that we have up, we have the New York Jets. We have the Los Angeles Chargers. This makes it real simple because with the Jets, don't care. I don't even know if I how much I want to play Jameis Crowder right now. Brashad Perryman's banged up. We expect him to play in this game. You're not playing Brashad Perryman. I know him and Joe Flacco before the bye against New England Patriots actually looked pretty decent, threw the ball down the field. Sam Darnold's not going to play in this game. It will be Joe Flacco again. I'll mention that. I'm not going to sit there and play Perryman against the Chargers, who have been very good against the opposing team's number one perimeter wide receiver. Now, that's where Crowder comes into play. Now, Crowder is somebody I think you can play in the flex in a full-point PPR league because of the volume that should head his way and the floor that he has because of that as a result. But he's not inside my top 36 when it comes to half-point PPR leagues because there's just not much of a ceiling here, I believe, when it comes to the New York Jets. Like I said, I know they played better against the Patriots. I don't expect them to play well here. Even coming off the bye, Adam Gase is not a head coach who's good enough, I believe, to have the expectation to give the credit to that your team's going to play better coming out of a bye week. The Chargers need this win badly while they haven't been playing well in their own rights. Joey Bosa may be back for this game, and if he's back for this game, they're going to be able to get a little bit more penetration and get a little more of a pass rush, and I believe will frustrate the Jets completely again if you can just just a general fantasy rule throughout this entire season if you can avoid the Jets please do so like I said with Crowder I'll I will consider him in a flex in a full point PPR league there still should be a floor there this week he's coming back a little bit healthier off that injury had to had the bye week to rest I do believe that the slot receiver has an opportunity to be able to attack the Chargers so we will see what he's able to do. Crowder's the only one I'm even considering, though, in the New York Jets. So let's flip it over to the Chargers. Let's talk about these guys, because they're actually interesting. Now, obviously, Justin Herbert, you fire him up. He's a top-five quarterback for me this week. Uh, I expect him to bounce back. I expect him to kind of get closer to what he was in the beginning. Over, over the past couple of weeks, it's been a little bit shaky. But against the New York Jets, really nothing for me to worry about here. He should be able to hit Keenan Allen over and over and over again. The big thing about Justin Herbert what I've seen so far out of his game and trying to dissect it and figure out what he's going to be for the future and what we can expect to see as we get down the championship stretch here as teams maybe start to adjust to the rookie quarterback, you're starting to see teams trying to take away Keenan Allen. Because like I said, with Allen for the longest time, as long as he was healthy and playing four quarters with Justin Herbert as a starting quarterback, he was getting double-digit targets 
every single time. Uh, there, there was no doubt about it. That's kind of been taken away a little bit. You can look at last week, for instance. He wasn't as involved. He was out of that game. He was healthy. The Chargers had to come back from behind. They weren't able to get the ball to Keenan Allen. Teams are starting to game plan to try to take away his first read, which is Allen more times than not. The Jets don't have that capability. They can game plan for it. It's not going to matter. So I expect Keenan Allen to get his double-digit targets. He's my wide receiver five overall on the week, so a big-time elite wide receiver one. I feel pretty confident about playing him. He has a nice floor, nice ceiling ratio going into this matchup. As a result of that, I believe Justin Herbert, as long as he has his first read to be able to go to consistently, then the rest of his game, the rest of his statistics fall on the line. It's the New York Jets. He should be great, too. The real question here, I believe, is what is your reasonable expectations for Kalen Balazs in this game? Because last week was very interesting to me when you're breaking down what happened in that game. Kalen Balazs was not in a committee. Kalen Balazs was the bell cow back. And if you buy it all into the re- the revenge you know, trend here at all, or you know, narrative for Kalen Blodge going up against the New York Jets, which I actually kind of buy into to some degree, especially in, in this situation. Uh, Blodge here, I think, has a real opportunity because he operates the bell cow and Tremaine Pope was activated and he was as involved as he was in the receiving game. I think Blodge not only has a good game here, not only should be in your starting lineups, I think there's an argument to be made that he could be a top 10 running back this week. When you look at the other running backs available this week, because we lost a few because of injury, and you look at some of the matchups this week in particular, and the way some guys have played this week, I wound up landing on Kalen Balaj as my RB7 overall. He's an RB1. He's a top 10 running back to me this week. If they utilize him the way they did last week, as they bell cow back, who also gets involved in the passing game against the New York Jets, a game in which I expect the Chargers to be able to control, especially in the third, fourth quarter, with Kalen Balaj, who physically looked pretty good last week, I think he's going to have a really good game. I think he has a good chance to get at least one touchdown, maybe two. I think he has five targets at least coming to him in the passing game. I think he has about 16 to 18 carries. And all those opportunities add up to him having a great game against a terrible defense in New York Jets. And I know they've been decent or at least competent against running backs and the rushing attack. But really, when you break it down, it's only for the first half. Because once that defense has been on the field 80% of the time, which other than the Patriot game has been the case every single game this year, they start to break down in the second half. They don't have energy anymore. They got hands on their hips, and rightfully so. No defense should be on the field as much as they are. So they're not going to be... And with Cam Balazs being a bigger, more physical guy, he's the guy gets harder and harder to tackle the more you give him the ball, especially in the second half. So that's where this whole thing becomes Balazs, if he's utilized the bell cow back, and I keep saying if because it's the only time we've seen it happen, really for the, not just for Balazs, but for the Chargers in general. I mean, they've been pretty much rotating running backs throughout the games. But it's clear that Joshua Kelly is just the guy who's going to spell whoever the starter is. And because Tremaine Pope was activated last week, but they didn't play him at all, I'm leaning towards the idea that Balaj once again will be the featured back. And therefore, I have him as a top 10 play. And as you would imagine, he becomes a very valuable uh, DFS play as well. Just kind of throw that out there too. But that's how confident I am in Kellen Balaj. I had to talk myself into it to some degree because it's still Kellen Balaj. Would I be shocked is that because he's? I don't actually view him as an actually good running back. I think he's a good athlete, not a good running back. Would I be surprised if he had a, a, a disappointing performance? No, because he's Kalen Balazs, because I know what he is. But at the same time, when you're looking at the opportunities heading his way and you're looking at the matchup, 
it's hard not to feel pretty good that he can have a strong performance in this one, especially how good he looked hitting the hole, getting north and south last week in that in that same role. So that's where it's crazy to me. But Kalen Balaj, top 10 running back for me this week. Last but not least, for the Chargers at least, I will talk about Hunter Henry. You know, he's tight end 11 for me. Uh, he finally got in the end zone last week. Again, this is matchup and tight end landscape. I think you can just fire Hunter Henry up as a top 12 tight end, as a tight end one for most leagues up there, and just continue to hope that he continues to get his floor of targets and gets maybe targeted in the red zone again this week, hopefully. Uh, he's just too good of a tight end to really you know move on from, I think, in my my opinion. Let's move into the Packers and Colts game. Now, we have a lot of interesting things up in the air for the Green Bay Packers, right? Because we have Devontae Adams, who didn't practice yesterday, didn't practice on Wednesday. This is another one that we're really hoping that we hear something maybe during the show, or we will hear something at least later on in the afternoon about where does Devontae Adams stand? Because he hurt that ankle in the game last week, but he was able to come back in. He was able to finish, and he was able to look decent in doing so. Now, he was a little bit limited but the, the fact that he came back in the game, you were hoping that may, he might be okay for this week. Now, I kind of question it to some degree about Devontae Adams being able to play. Because we've seen this song and dance out of the Green Bay Packers this season already with Adams and with Aaron Jones. And it seems as though if these guys are not you know, pretty much confidently 100% healthy, they will lean towards not playing them if they can help it. Now, here's the difference between this game and and some of those other games that they were in when it came to Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. This is a tough matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. And if they can, this is a, a, an opportunity for a statement game for the Green Bay Packers. That division is getting a little bit more competitive. They could really take a step up this week if they can win this game and really tighten their grip on, a, on a, what should be a division win for the Green Bay Packers. So this game has a little bit more, you know, value at stake, I believe, in some of these other games earlier in the year are, which lead me to believe that if Devontae Adams can go, he might have a better shot of being fired up. But again, like I said, it's the Green Bay Packers at the end of the day. We know that if they feel like their player is not 100%, that there's a decent chance that they're just going to go ahead and sit him down. And with Alan Lazard coming back this week, maybe they look at that as an opportunity. like, hey, we're going to have some, we're going to have some, you know, uh, reinforcements coming in at the wide receiver position. We don't necessarily have to push it. I think it's a real question mark if Adams plays this week. We'll know more after the practice report today. If he does play, obviously he's a wide receiver one, but that's something we're really going to have to keep our eyes on moving into the weekend. Aaron Jones comes in as RB12 for me this week. I know it's a tough match against the Indianapolis Colts, but physically he looked great to me coming off of last week. I do believe, that especially if Devontae Adams is banged up, there'll be more of an emphasis to get Aaron Jones involved and to get him to be pretty much the offense. So whether it's through the rushing game or through the receiving game, Aaron Jones, to me, is still an RB1, even in a tougher matchup. He just maybe doesn't have top five ceiling potential that he really has had for most of the year this year when he's been out there and healthy. We fire him up with confidence. And Aaron Rodgers, I don't have him in the top three like I have normally throughout this year so far, but I do have him as QB8. He's still a QB1. He's playing just on another level. He's playing back to being an Aaron Rodgers level this season. So even again, I guess a tough match against the Indianapolis Colts. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to bench Aaron Rodgers. To me right now, he's matchup proof. I don't care who his wide receivers are. I don't care who he's playing against. Aaron Rodgers is playing on another level. And frankly, in my opinion, with the way Russell Wilson has played as of late, could be playing on the MVP level and you and stealing that away from Wilson if he continues to play the way that he is, if the Packers continue to win games the way that they are. So Aaron Rodgers, QB1, you fire him up with confidence, I believe. 
Now you get into the Colts side of things. Now you get into the the migraine from a fantasy perspective that is the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor, I have him ranked as RB28. I have Naeem Hines ranked as RB30. I don't have Wilkins inside my top 36. I'm not, I'm not, Wilkins is not even the consideration to me. With Taylor and Hines, obviously, if you have another option, I would prefer not to play Taylor because who knows what his workload is going to be. If anybody tells you that they know that his workload is going to be 12 to 15 carries or more than that or less than that, I'm telling you right now they're all lying to you. You could throw out as many numbers as you want to as what you expect out of Jonathan Taylor. You have no idea. There's a great match against Green Bay Packers, and yet I look at Taylor as not having a ceiling, and I have no idea what his floor is going to be because we have no idea who's going to be the running back who gets the ball in this game. None whatsoever. So I have him at 28 because of the matchup because he should... Should get at least 12 touches. Should have an opportunity to score a touchdown. But again, if you have an option with a safer floor, I would go that way over Jonathan Taylor. I would try not to play him. Now, that leads me to Naeem Hines, who I have ranked at 30. And even though I have him two spots behind Taylor, I do think that Naeem Hines might have a safer floor than a Jonathan Taylor. Now, I talked about this a little bit last week. Naeem Hines is probably the only running back that is dependable on the Colts in the sense of I know that he has a particular role carved out for him. Now, whether or not that role is utilized becomes another question. Of course, I'm talking about the passing down role. With Philip Rivers, I kind of thought after week one, what we saw in Naeem Hines, we would see a guy who is going to be the Austin Eckler type, the Danny Woodhead type, the Darren Sproles type that Philip Rivers had throughout his entire career. And would utilize that every single week where I thought Naeem Hines is somebody who's looking at at least five targets every single week. That hasn't always been the case. He got utilized last week, but the week before that, he wasn't involved in the passing game. And it's been a hit or miss thing if he's been utilizing Naeem Hines or not, even in, even in that role. Now, I know he's the guy who's out there on passing downs. I know he's the guy who's out there on two-minute drills. I know he's the guy who's out there if they have to come back from behind in garbage time. So that's where I think he's a little bit more dependable. And when you look at this game, and you know it's going to probably be a close matchup, where the Colts will probably have to be a little bit more aggressive, will probably have to throw the ball a little bit more than they typically want to with the, going against the Green Bay Packers, I think I have a little bit more of an assurance that Naeem Hines should be looking around five targets and should be involved in this game. But that's the big question mark right now. Is that how is this rotation going to break down? So again, with the Heinz, if I have another option that I feel safer about their floor, I would go in that direction. But when you're talking about half point, full point PPR leagues, and if you're just in desperate straits right now looking for somebody who might be able to offer you something, I think Heinz comes into the conversation given the matchup and given what I expected this game script to kind of be. Uh, but I'll, overall, if I can have kind of the Colts are just a better version of the Jets, in my opinion, when it comes specifically to fantasy football. And that is, while they are a better team, while they are a better offense, overall, my fantasy analysis would be that if you can avoid playing a Colts player in your fantasy lineup, that would be preferable than having to play one. Or Just overall. I know Michael Pittman looked good last week against Tennessee. I'm still not going to play him. I still don't trust Phillip Rivers. I still don't trust these guys consistently get involved. Now, I did talk about Michael Pittman on the waiver wire report. He is somebody that I'm okay with you stashing. Because if this trend that he's been on over the past two weeks continues, I do think he's a guy who might start to offer you a safe floor, who might start to be a red zone threat, who might take over as the number one wide receiver for the Colts and maybe establish himself as such where these targets aren't getting spread out really the way they have been for most of the year. So if that remains to be the case, 
then Michael Pittman is somebody we'll start to talk about as a wide receiver three. We'll start to talk about him in the top 36. But I'm not there yet for this game to go ahead and be like, yep, let's go ahead and fire up Michael Pittman. No, I'm not there on that yet. So that's kind of what you're looking at when it comes to that matchup in particular. So now let's talk about Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings game. The big thing, of course, on the Cowboys' side of the ball is that Andy Dalton is going to be starting in this game. They've activated him. They, they've pretty much been saying this entire time since the bye week that they knew Andy Dalton was going to be the guy. What does that mean from a fantasy standpoint? Look, Dalton's been terrible. He's not a streaming quarterback, even what on paper looks like a great match against the Minnesota Vikings. But here is where Dalton, to me at least, does actually boost fantasy owners of certain players on this team, particularly Amari Cooper. Andy Dalton, when he played, as terrible as it was, his first read every single time he dropped back was Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper was still able to establish his floor, his consistent floor that he's really had for most of the season, as long as when Andy Dalton was able to be there at quarterback. He was getting his seven catches for 79 yards, 80 yards, whatever the case may be, had a touchdown in one of those games. If he's able to do that, then Amari Cooper continues to be a wide receiver too, especially talking about a half-point PPR standpoint. He's still getting a lot of volume. He's still the number one read. With Dalton in there in this matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, which is, I know their defense has been playing better as of late, but I'm still not afraid to attack that secondary at all, especially when you have good wide receivers to be able to do so. I like Cooper's floor in this game, and if he scores a touchdown, he'll be a higher-end wide receiver too for me this week. So Andy Dalton gives me at least some confidence that I can play Amari Cooper as a strong wide receiver two option. Now, here's here's the next part. When you have CeeDee Lamb, what do you do? Because that's where it gets more interesting. That's where it's going to be, does Andy Dalton have time to throw the ball down the field? Does he have time to come off that first read, which has been Amari Cooper? That's going to be the question. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. C.D. Lamb, I have him ranked as wide receiver 29 on the week. I have him as wide receiver 3. I do believe the opportunity for big plays for C.D. Lamb will be there. And here's the other caveat that we saw consistently with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Michael Gallup remains to be the odd man out. That didn't change as far as whether it was Prescott or Andy Dalton so far. That's what I expect to continue. So with that being said, that means Amari Cooper will get his, and then C.D. Lamb should be able to get his as well. And that's what makes him a wide receiver three because he has the big play potential in this match against the Minnesota Vikings. Does everybody have a low floor? 100%. Everybody has a low floor in this game because it's still Andy Dalton. It's still a banged up offensive line. They're not getting their pieces back yet this week. They should be coming soon, but not back yet this week. And it makes everything really murky as far as 
Is Dalton going to be able to play better? Because he's de- look, Dalton's definitely better than what we've seen so far. I, I think we can all agree to that. But will he, but will he play better behind that offensive line? I think that remains to be seen. And that's where everyone kind of has a low floor. But I think you can play Cooper. I think you can play C.D. Lamb this week. That's the one thing about Dalton coming in here. I feel a little bit more confident about that. I also have Ezekiel Elliott getting back in RB1 status. Again, good matchup on paper. Ezekiel Elliott's going to be healthier than what we saw him before the bye week with the hamstring issue. He's too good of a player to be consistently held down. Now, this was a different matchup. If this was a a top-12 defense against the running back, I would probably still be continuing to rank Ezekiel Elliott as an RB2 until otherwise told. But for this game coming out of the bye, because he's Ezekiel Elliott, because he's so good, because it's a good matchup, I think Elliott has the opportunity here to get back to being an RB1, at least for this week. At least for this week. I don't think you're going to bench him anyway because he is Zeke. You know what his volume is going to be. I think you're going to play him even if the expectation was that he might be more of an RB2 at this point than an RB1. But I think he has a good shot here to get back to being an RB1 again this week. And I have him actually confidently or not. I'm taking my shot. He's my number five running back on the week. It should line up where he gets more involved in the passing game, where he should have some running room. I expect a touchdown out of Ezekiel Elliott. I expect a more competent Dallas team coming out of the bye this week against the Minnesota Vikings. That's what I'm expecting overall. That's why these guys, I think, still have some solid fantasy value in this game. Now let's flip that over to the Minnesota Vikings. I think it comes pretty clear-cut for the Vikings side of things. Dalvin Cook, RB1 on the week. There's a real chance that he dominates this game the way he's dominated so many since he's been back from that injury. He got 30 carries last week. He looked great, even though it wasn't his biggest stat line game against Chicago because of stingy defense. Well, he's going to have a heck of a lot more running room against Dallas than he did last week against Chicago. I'm going to tell you that. And I think he's going to take advantage of that. He's going to run like the wind. Dalvin Cook's number one guy. I think that's undisputable right now. I think the real question becomes Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. I have them both inside my top 10. Because how can you not against the Dallas Cowboys with the way they've played defense so far? Kirk Cousins looks decent over the past couple of weeks. I don't have him as a streaming guy because I do worry a little bit about Dalvin Cook taking over. And that's also why I have I worry a little bit about Adam Thielen. I worry a little bit about Justin Jefferson and what their floors could potentially be. Because in games in which Dalvin Cook was completely able to dominate, the passing game wasn't a factor. And while this is a great match on paper and why I think you have to play Thielen, I think you have to play Justin Jefferson because of the Dallas Cowboys, there is that caveat that there is a low floor risk here if Cook just takes over the game completely. But the matchup is so good where, theoretically, everybody on offense would be able to get theirs. And if if you're a Minnesota fantasy owner where you own either Jefferson or Thielen or Dalvin Cook or whatever, the best case scenario for you would be for Dallas to be able to play at least competently in this game and keep it somewhat close, and therefore everybody will be able to get their touches and they'll have to be more aggressive about that. So that's kind of what you're hoping for. That's what I'm expecting for. That's why at the end of the day, I'm firing up Adam Thielen. I'm firing up Justin Jefferson because they go off against Dallas you're really going to kick yourself in the head for not having them in your lineup, even though there is that risk that Dalvin Cook just dominates this game. So that's the big take for the Minnesota Vikings. What we're going to do is take a quick break. We have a couple more games to get to. We have a mailbag segment for you guys. So Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned right after this. 
You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. We've just been talking about, you know, the Thursday night recap, getting you guys some injury updates, talking about our fantasy expectations for the late window of Week 11 games. Remember, if you missed yesterday's show, we talked about the early window and those previews and those updates and those fantasy expectations. Make sure you just go ahead and go back on your favorite streaming app and listen to the Belly Up Sports' MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Once again, going into the break, coming out, we got a lot of news. So let's go ahead and hit that breaking news sounder. Breaking news. All right, so kicking it off, Devontae Adams did practice today, so that looks good. He might actually be out there and good to go against the Indianapolis Colts as we just broke down that game. Again, of course, if he plays, he's a wide receiver one. There's no question about it, and it's looking good like that will, in fact, be the case. Drew Locke also was able to do some work in practice today, opening up the door that he might be able to play on Sunday. He'll be questionable. Most likely will be a game-time decision for him and then we had Clyde Edwards-Alaire which is the game that we're about to get into with the Kansas City Chiefs and Las Vegas Raiders for the Sunday night game he came back to practice after missing yesterday as well so it looks like he's going to be able to play and that's going to lead us right into the preview of this game and I have him as an RB20 there's a lot of things up in the air right now like look first of all obviously yes great matchup against the Raiders 100% you drafted Clyde Edwards-Lair to be a core piece of your fantasy team. You probably don't have better options. Therefore, you're probably going to have to play him in your lineup regardless. But there is the fear of a couple of factors here. One, when they have gone to the running back, which is the number one issue, which they haven't really done much at all. They haven't even involved the running back unit as a whole, for the most part, over the past couple of weeks before their bye. He's been splitting those touches, the few touches he has been getting with Le'Veon Bell. And Darrell Williams, who actually was you know pretty involved that week before as well. <laughs> that's the problem. That's, that's the big factor right now. Are you going to involve the running back unit coming out of the bye? Now, I have to believe that they will involve a little bit more than what they did the previous couple of weeks before their bye week last week. Andy Reid has a history of going through these little phases where all of a sudden he like forgets that he has a running back and he forgets that in football you actually have to run the ball once in a while, even when you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. You still have to be two-dimensional, not one-dimensional, especially as a team who has several aspirations, especially as a team who drafted a running back with the first round, especially a team who signed a guy like Le'Veon Bell halfway through the season to boost the depth that they have at the running back situation as well. So all those factors to me mean, at the very least, the running back unit itself will be more involved against the Raiders than it has been the past couple of weeks leading into the bye. Again, on the Raiders' side of things, too, when you talk about their defense and you talk about that matchup, not only is it a great matchup even when they're completely all healthy, but a lot of their defense had to virtually work this week as as almost, I think it was half the starters or more than half the starters were all on COVID watch, high-risk contact watch. Now, from what I understand, pretty much all the starters have consistently tested negative, so they're going to be out there and playing, but they weren't actually able to really practice at all this week on top of being in a tough situation. So there's a real opportunity here, I think, for the Chiefs to blow the Raiders out in this game. That should lead to, hopefully, some running back touches, especially in the second half, 
Now, the one fear for that is, does it turn into, you know, the week before the bye week where it was Daryl Williams getting a lot of those touches just to run the game out because, you know, you don't want to bother getting CEH or Le'Veon Bell possibly banged up two guys you plan on leaning on as you go through your playoff race. That That's going to be the question there, but there should be at least more involvement for the running back unit as a whole. Then we get into the second variable of, so far, the touches have been almost pretty even between CEH and Le'Veon Bell, and how is that going to play out? Well, as a result of that, while I have CEH at 20, I have Le'Veon Bell at 29. It, he's he's has to be in that flex conversation if his split is going to be close to 50-50 if the running back unit gets more involved. Now, do I want to play Le'Veon Bell? No. There's no ceiling to that game because there's too many variables that we just broke down for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. But at the same time, when you're breaking down what the expected involvement for the running backs as a whole with the Kansas City Chiefs against the Raiders is, and when you put down what that matchup is, and you put down what his share has been since joining Kansas City Chiefs, it all adds up to him possibly being a top 36 running back, possibly being a flex play. Now, I think he's more of a dart throw in that territory, but it's in the conversation if you're looking for somebody who might at least present the actual flex conversation. Not going to feel great about it, but he does enter that territory because of the Raiders, because of the Kansas City Chiefs, and because they can do whatever they want offensively, which has sometimes hurt the running back unit for fantasy owners and sometimes amplifies it. We'll see coming out of the bye. I think you're going to see Andy Reid get back to maybe running the fall at least a little bit, at least get it going in the beginning, uh, and kind of use his multifaceted ways to kind of put different things on tape, I believe, for teams moving forward. So I do think you can play CEH as an RB2, and I think Le'Veon Bell has to enter the flex conversation, but I would look for somebody who has a better ceiling, if depending on what my opportunities are. The other thing about the Kansas City Chiefs we got to talk about, Sammy Watkins is going to be back this week. And Sammy Watkins comes in wide receiver 39, so just outside that wide receiver 3 territory for me, high end wide receiver 4 in the flex conversation. The way Patrick Holmes has played with this matchup, everything else, the way Sammy Watkins was actually involved to a consistent degree before he got hurt with the hamstring issue, I think there's a floor to Sammy Watkins' game. I don't know how much of a ceiling there is because I still expect Tyreek Hill to be able to do his Tyreek Hill things and be a big playmaker, and Travis Kelsey, will, of course, will be you know Travis Kelsey and everything like that. And, of course, you're playing them as elite players at their positions. But Sammy Watkins has still been able to carve out a role where he's been right there with them when he's been healthy. And in fact, in a couple of games, has been the lead target over Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey when he's been healthy. So because of that, because there seems to be an, an even amount of rotation between those three as far as opportunities go, just given this offense, Sammy Watkins is somebody you can play in the flex and, and at the very least expect a good floor out of and have a chance, a legitimate chance, of a touchdown as well because they were utilizing him quite a bit in the red zone before he got the hamstring issue uh, on top of it. So I think it all goes to say that he is a solid flex opportunity, but if you need a if you need a big ceiling, I'm going to look elsewhere. I'm going to look for somebody who has maybe more of the share to himself, who's not just coming off a hamstring issue in his first game back. But I don't expect him to be limited on the field. He, I think he is as close to 100% as he could possibly be. They waited the proper amount of time for him to be able to come back from that hamstring injury. So I think overall, you're going to be good to go on Sammy Watkins if you want to play him in the flex. I think you're, you're safe to do so. Everything else is is you know up front, right? And Patrick Mahomes, you know, elite QB one. Like I said, Tyree Kill, elite wide receiver one. Travis Kelsey, the tight end one. There's not even a debate about that. So you're good to go. Pretty much, almost every Kansas City Chiefs player essentially is a fantasy worthy play in your lineups this week, and that you know that remains to be going uh, for most weeks anyway. So let's flip it over to the Raiders side of the ball. Their game plan is probably going to have to be 
Let's try to keep that offense off the field as much as possible, especially with the dire straits of their defenses coming into this week. I expect a big workload out of Josh Jacobs, especially in the first half when they try to control the football. I have him as RB6. Physically, he looked fine to me last week. They got him back to getting 20 carries. I know Devontae Booker, at the end of the day, in the box score, had a lot of touches as well, but it wasn't a split. It wasn't a committee. It was the Raiders got up and Booker closed out the game because why Why subject Jacobs to possibly getting hurt when he already had 20 carries on a game? He already had a good workload in the game. That is what I saw when I went back and watched that game. So, Josh Jacobs, I think, comes in. I think he'll be a little bit more involved in the passing game this week as well. I think he's got four targets I think should be heading his way. A reasonable expectation for him on top of it. I have him as an RB6 overall. feel great about playing Josh Jacobs as an RB1. Darren Waller, of course, we know he's going to be involved in the pass game. He's been the most consistent Raiders pass catcher as far as his target share involvement goes. He's tight end nine for me and has a higher ceiling than that. The only reason he's tight end nine is because the Chiefs have actually been surprisingly good against the tight end situation. Now, Darren Waller is a bit of a different one in the way that he's utilized in the Raiders offense compared to other tight ends and their offenses and stuff like that. But he still comes in as tight end nine with a higher ceiling than that, I believe, in this game. Chiefs are pretty decent against that. They add DeAndre Baker. He's not going to play this week, but their defense is going to actually continue to get better here as we move forward. And with Chris Jones healthy and everything like that, I expect this defense to be a tip-top shape with the extra bye week, too, on top of it. So I think there is a little bit of a lower floor than you expected of Darren Waller in a matchup like this against Kansas City where you think the Raiders are going to have to try to find ways to put up points. But he's got as safe as a floor as it comes right now for a tight end position. So you're good to fire up Darren Waller, and he does have a decent ceiling coming into this game. He should have an opportunity to score going into this game. I think the only thing outside of that you're questioning is, you know, do you want to take the shot on a Henry Ruggs or, or, or Hunter Renfro or, or even a Nelson Aguilar who's been involved pretty consistently throughout the weeks? My answer to that is probably no. Uh, Henry Ruggs, maybe if you want to play him in DFS because he can hit the home run. This is a game in which they're going to probably have to throw a couple shot plays. Uh, maybe you want to take that chance. But the target share just hasn't been there consistently for any of these wide receivers to really be counted on, even in a matchup where it could be a high-scoring game on paper. I just don't want to trust it. And it could be any one of those guys, which is what makes it more of a roulette situation, which, again, for fantasy purposes, when you're trying to go down your playoff races and you're trying to get down the nitty-gritty here, I'm not taking shots on guys that are that hit or miss like the Raiders wide receivers are. I'm going to go with guys that have a safer floor when I'm trying to grind out these games over the next three weeks to get my playoff positioning. So I'm going to probably stay away from the Raiders wide receiver core if I can help it at all. And I don't have any of them ranked in my top 36. So let's move in now to the Monday night game. The Rams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this game has a wide range of outcomes. I think on one hand, this game could be a very big defensive game, given these two defenses and the way they've been playing lately. And I think on the other hand, because these are two competent offenses, you could see a high-scoring game. I think this game has a wide range of outcomes, which makes fantasy you know, a little bit unpredictable when you're looking through the value of these players. Now, Jared Goff, I'm not touching him with a 10-foot pole. It's, it's on the road. It's against a good defense. Normally speaking, that spells disaster. Normally speaking, that spells turnovers and sacks. And they don't have Andrew Whitworth probably, probably for the rest of the season, I would imagine. They're not going to have Andrew Whitworth. So that adds another element where he is probably going to get sacked quite a bit in this game, which lends to what's the ceiling, what's the expectation for a Cooper Cup for a Robert Woods 
I think both of these guys will be okay because I think the game plan, especially going into this against Tampa Bay with no Andrew Whitworth, is going to be built around getting the ball out of Jerry Goff's hands as quickly as possible. And because it's Tampa Bay and they're a team that's very hard to run on to begin with, even when you have a healthy offensive line, I think there's going to be high volume in the passing game to help out a Cooper Cup, to help out a Robert Woods. I have Woods here ranked at wide receiver 22, so I have him as a low-end wide receiver 2 in 12-team leagues, and I have Cooper Cup ranked as wide receiver 30, so a middling wide receiver 3. I think both of these guys can be in their lineups. I think they both have safe floors with the expected volume that I see from them. Uh, They just might not have particularly high ceilings unless one of them is able to get into the end zone, but I do think you can play them at the end of the day. As far as the running back situation goes, I have Daryl Henderson ranked at 26. They've been getting Cam Akers more involved, though. I don't think Henderson's 100%. The bad matchup against Tampa Bay. Henderson's the only one I'm going to consider playing, but because of the rotation of the Rams, because of this matchup, they all have tremendously low floors. So I would look elsewhere if you have the opportunity to do so. But if I have to choose one, it would be Daryl Henderson. Let's move over to Tampa Bay here. I do have Tom Brady as a QB9. It's a Monday night game. I think they want to make a point, not just to bounce back from the Saints game like they did against Carolina, but I think they want to make a point on on national television that what they saw Sunday night was not what this Tampa Bay team is. I think there is that still that chip on that shoulder from that loss against the New Orleans Saints. They have all their weapons, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, they, and Rob Gronkowski. Even though the Rams' defense has played really, really well, I do think there should be a safe enough floor for Tom Brady to be, continue to play as a QB1, as a top-10 guy. I have him as number 9 on the week. Evans, Godwin, Brown, I have them all as wide receiver fours. The reason for that, obviously, Rams' defense playing really well, especially secondary. They're able to cover all three areas of the field. Also, because when you break down the opportunity share between these three guys, it's pretty even. And as a result of that, I don't know if there's any one guy who can could definitely consider to be a wide receiver too. I think they're all possible flex plays because I don't expect it to be a high statistical output from any one of these wide receivers necessarily. I expect it to be an even share. I lean towards Evans because he's got the best chance to have a touchdown. I lean towards Godwin because he plays a slot receiver predominantly, and that's usually the way you can attack the Rams if, if at all. But all of these guys, to me, are only wide receiver four flex conversations. I don't think I have a big ceiling on any one of these wide receivers. Rob Gronkowski comes in tight end 14 for me. I think he's that streaming type. If you've been playing Rob Gronkowski, I think you continue to do so. I'm not going to drop him. But there is going to be a lower floor expectation possible here. All right. Quickly here, because we don't have much time left, I do have three mailbag questions I just want to address real quick. The first one, Rory J.D. McKissick or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Great question. I think if you're in a full-point PPR league, I think I'm going J.D. McKissick because, again, I can't trust the floor of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire given that I can't trust whether or not the Chiefs are actually going to involve the running back as part of their game plan right now. I think I would actually lean towards J.D. McKissick because I feel safe about the targets and with his involvement in the passing game and what he's going to be able to do, especially as a good match against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I would actually go McKissick if you're full-point PPR. Half-point, i probably lean back towards Allaire in that standpoint, but it's close. That's how close it is, and I think McKissick actually has a safer floor. Next up, Turan, he asked me, do you trust Fulgham as a wide receiver too? I have him ranked as a low-end wide receiver too. Do I trust him? That's a different... Keyword, that's a different conversation, I believe, with Travis Fulgham. I do have him ranked there this week against the Cleveland Browns. We talked about Miles Garrett's not going to be there, so that's going to open up things, I think, for Carson Wentz. It's not going to be the same Cleveland Brown defense. So I do believe that there is a, a 
plan here in place that Travis Fulgham continues to be the starter like he was last week. Alshon Jeffrey's still going to continue to be limited. I do think they're going to get back to getting him the ball more, so he'll definitely be better than what he was last week. I think you can play him as wide receiver too, but there is a low floor that comes with Travis Fulgham right now with the way the Eagles have been rotating their guys on the outside and how many guys they have back available. Last question, Christian, he asked me, Hayden Hurst or Jimmy Graham rest of season? I'm going Hayden Hurst. I know Jimmy Graham has had a lot of red zone targets, and that's kind of benefited him to some degree. But Hayden Hurst, as far as a safe floor goes, which right now, if you don't have a top tight end, is pretty much all you're looking for. He's been getting, as long as Julio's healthy, five to seven targets. And the Atlanta offense, as long as Julio's healthy, has been in a position to give good scoring opportunities. So I actually like the floor of a Hayden Hurst in a better offense with a better quarterback. I will go with Hayden Hurst the rest of the season over a Jimmy Graham at the tight end position. That's going to wrap up the show. We had a lot of content to get through today. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Hope you got what you needed. Hope you feel prepared and set to go. Remember, make sure you're checking us out, bellyupfantasysports.com. Those rankings will be up to date by Sunday morning with everything going on. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at bellyupmdffshow, especially for the player news update notifications on Twitter. Hit us up on your favorite streaming app. excuse me, or the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app on Android, WWSRN on iOS, presented to you by Belly Up Sports. I'm Dan Mater. I'm going to see you guys on Monday when we recap the Sunday afternoon for Week 11 and go over everything we need to know heading into Week 12. So we'll see you guys all then. Everyone take care, have a great weekend, and win your matchups. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.